Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? We're back. We're here to talk modern. Yeah. Yeah. That's right? what we're talking about today. That's yeah. what we talk about on this podcast. This was a fun topic. Uh, we just spent a lot of time doing prep work. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So today, as the title of this episode said, and so you are probably now familiar with, uh, we are going to do the well, technically now top thirty, but we're going to count down the top ten, the the, the bottom ten, top thirty ducks in modern history, uh, the top ten. Really, the, it's the top ten modern. It's really ducks the top. Ever. Well, no, we're doing top twenty modern. We're gonna ducks. give some honorable mentions, and we're gonna rank the like 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 eleven through twenty. Well, like, we've we have the thirty ranked that we've decided to rank. The first ten are gonna be quick. I'm just gonna list them off uh, and list. And the way we did it to give you a point breakdown, and then we'll do shoutouts, and then we'll get into it. Is uh, Ben gave each one a number one out of ten, and I gave each one a number of one out of ten, and then our very 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 important, well educated. Uh, Magic card scientists took those two ratings and then used that information to then rate all uh, 30 decks. And then when there were ties, they then came back to us and we informed them of which of those decks were likely to be better. And then they took that information and then once again applied very strict, complicated algorithms to figure out what the best decks, best 30 decks of all time in modern very complicated it's all very 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 technical it's just you know technical industry jargon totally 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 all right so to get into this to do it uh first i want to shout out everything so make sure to follow us on twitter we are at the mmcast i am at kess wiley i'm at ben bateman media uh go to facebook and search for the masters of modern group uh it is there's now a group on facebook go find it it is a Great way to communicate with other people that like the show, ourselves, and modern content in general. Uh, make sure to go to collected.company. That is our website, and that is also where the Command Zone, our sister podcast, lives. Uh, they do awesome commander content every week. Um, they had a great spoiler card last week. It was the Sweet Sphinx um, that does all of the things. And it was sick. Do, yeah, and you can find game nights there, uh, and you can find all the other great stuff that they do. Um, yeah, totally. And uh, make sure to check out our Patreon. Uh, it's the reason we're able to do this show. It's the reason we're able to afford this show. It's really important. We definitely appreciate it. Yeah, it's huge. It'd be great if you guys would help us out there. Um, and then last but not least, uh, check out my Anchor Station, uh, 10 Minutes of Magic. You can download the app Anchor.fm. It's short-form audio content, little audio blurbs. There's a trivia league on Tuesdays, uh, all kinds of other stuff, fun stuff that we do on there. So just download that, check it out, and you will get uh, me and sometimes Alex doing content every day for 10 minutes or less with you know two, three minutes at a time. Yeah, it's really sweet. Cool. I think that is all of the official shout-outs. If we are forgetting someone or something, please let us know. Um, and yeah, so let's let's get into it. So I just want to break down the score and the number. We're not going to talk at all about these decks, so right. no comments. But I'm going to break down 30 through 20. Uh, so Blue Moon with two points, Living End with three, Titan Shift with five, tied with Titan Shift is Grishel Brand with five, Blue White Control at six, Boggles tied at six, uh, tied at eight we have Death Shadow and Ad Nauseum, tied at ten points we have Lantern Control and Eggs. And that is the bottom 20 car 10 cards. Yeah, so I mean, I think the nature of what we're doing here, guys, because you probably heard some decks and they were like, Death Shadow, what? Uh, the idea was, Modern's been around for like, how, how long now? Six years? Seven, right. Six yeah. years? I think that sounds right. We've been playing no, Modern. No, 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 no. I think so. No, it can't be. 
It hasn't been around as long as me and Whitney have been dating. I believe it has. Uh, I moved here in 2009, and I believe it was already around by 2011. I'm almost positive. Okay. okay. It was like a new thing. I think it might have gotten announced in 2011. No, but we played in multi- We played in like extended GPs together for at least two years worth of content. No, I didn't play a single extended GP. That's not true. I played standard. No, you played super extended. Or no. Yeah, you did. You took Naya. I was at the tournament with you. You took Naya. You played Bloodbraid Elf in the format. No, I played uh, Moon Zoo, and that was a modern deck. That was modern. That was modern? Yes. Modern. I think modern has been around since 2011. I'm almost positive. Okay. Um, pause the show right now. I'm going to look. All right, so we just looked it up, and the confusion was is that the first modern GP was in 2012, but the first modern Pro Tour was the very end of 2011. And the confusion was that Ben was right. <laughs> I refuse to admit and it. That's really confusing <laughs> for everyone. Uh, <laughs> yes, no, it's six years. So in six years, we've seen a lot of things happen to modern. Alex and I have done a podcast about this for almost half of the life of the format now, and uh, we have obviously seen trends come and go. So something like Death Shadow, there's been two iterations of a Death Shadow deck, and currently the best deck in the format is a Death Shadow deck. But not, not like none of those Death Shadow decks are going to compare to like the top tier decks, ones that have been around for years, ones that have had like many, many, many Grand Prix top eights. A lot of these have defined Pro Tours. A lot of these have defined GP metagames for years. Years. Some seasons. of these have multiple GP wins. Cards Death Shadow has like banned, one. Like yeah. So it's 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 a hard contest. I mean, Death Shadow making it in the top thirty is still an accomplishment. Um, and we didn't bother, by the way, looking at like the, that when he was. Oh yeah, yeah. So so the top, the bottom ten are not ranked towards each other. So I would rate probably Death Shadow as twenty one, maybe under eggs. So maybe eggs would be twenty one, and then yeah. Death Shadow would be twenty two. Uh, but they're just like all tied, so it's like not it's not a big it's not a big accomplishment to be the the order that I just listed those isn't isn't a real thing. Don't take that into consideration. Yeah, and this this comes inspired from the fact that we were just we in, didn't submit this to the magic scientists, so they haven't strictly ranked these based right. on actual qualifications. We just attended Grand Prix Vegas two weeks ago, and he and I, Alex and I, both played in events that had you know our sweet modern brews and. Uh, we have been excited about playing a lot of competitive modern recently, and so we wanted to do this episode to kind of frame uh, what we were playing now and what won that Grand Prix, and that's kind of why we decided sure. to do this show. And I, and I think I think of the list on the bottom end of here, uh, Death Shadow, maybe Lantern Control, and maybe maybe Titan Shift are the three cards that I think have a chance of moving up in the world. Definitely, they're yeah. just they're just a they're little just, bit. Like like Titan Shift has been around, but it's like a little lower profile. It's like you you game plan for it, but like it hasn't blown anybody away yet. Right. Um. You know, I, I Death Shadow is easily has a potential to be in the top ten. I mean, like it needs one more GP win, and I'll automatically raise it up. Being uh, the best deck in the format is at like, this moment. Is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you pro- we probably are a little low on Death Shadow. It just feels so recent that this version specifically because the version it's of the Death same Shadow- reason I never rank and I'll never put a movie that's came out in the last year within my top any kind of movie list. Well, because the version of Death Shadow that was running around before we had these like mid-rangey versions was very good, but it was like a worse version of Affinity Base or of, of uh, Infect basically. It was just like it was just an all-in aggro deck. And like that's fine, but that wasn't a deck that was the best deck in the format. The version we have now is clearly the best deck in the format, but that's only been 3 to 6 months. Totally. And it's really the last 3 Since that the have been the yeah, yeah. best deck. Yep. So. I agree. Um it's funny how a card being banned that was in the deck forced it to become a better deck than it was before. I know. It's crazy. Uh it's a great story. All right. So now let's let's deal with the top twenty. Now this we'll do we'll talk about each deck a little bit. We're still gonna not 
you know, it's the top 10 that matters. Um, but, you know, we have time. So, so we're going to go through the top 20 here. Uh, number 20 uh, is like probably the most flash in the panty of any deck on this list. Uh, but obviously has it has its strong potential. Uh, Amulet Bloom. Yeah, this was a deck that, you know, uh, you had Justin Cohen and Sam Black showing up playing. You ended up having Alexander Hayne playing this deck for a while. It had, uh, if I if I remember correctly, at least one Pro Tour Top 8. Uh, this Did this win a Grand Prix, or did it, like, get y- close yes. to winning a Grand Prix? It did. I believe it did. And, yeah, this deck still kind of exists, actually. There's a, there's a worse version of this deck that plays Azusa that people do still play. It's a thing that actually is powerful still. But the Summer Bloom version of this before Summer Bloom was banned... Uh, was a deck that kind of came out of nowhere, and I think at first I guess it didn't win a GP. Yeah, I think it just it just had a couple really it just high like, finishes, like top eighted regularly, and it had like a, that Grand Prix or that a uh, Pro Tour top eight. Before yeah, where it got gone. two top eights and was second place and lost to Blood Moon. Yes, exactly. And and I think um, the the reason this deck sort of was able to exist and that we are ranking it a little higher than say like Grishelbrand is that this deck for a minute was kind of the darling of the Magic scene. There was a lot of discussion that this deck was incredibly difficult to play and it was to- sort of took like a master mind to be able to play it properly. It did all this really cool, weird, broken stuff where you were playing like Bounce Lands and Primeval Titans and you were getting to transmute Talaria West, use Summoner's Pacts. It was just really cool. I think the and And it's one good card away from being playable again it's like already it's still fringe it would i would say this is a tier three to tier 2.5 really i would even say tier 2.5 deck easy in the format like yeah. you could you could easily face this at any tournament they could um, print some slightly less powerful version of a summer bloom type of card or some other azusa kind of card and this deck could skyrocket to powerful again yep um so next uh grixis oh so uh amulet bloom had t- 11 points okay uh, n- number 20 grixis also with 11 points at 19 Grixis is a weird one for us. We feel a little bad about this because Corey Burkhart, good friend of the show, is a master. Corey Burkhart, I think, is... And this doesn't include Grixis Death Shadow, which is a different... Different deck. Archetype, yeah. um, This is Grixis Control, the one originally popularized by Chapin and then played to great success by Corey Burkhart in several events. So the deal is, guys, this is a good deck. Corey Burkhart is a generational Magic player, it turns out. Like, we always knew that guy was really good at Magic. It turns out he's like one of the best living players, maybe the best living player not to have won a Pro Tour. Because when you can take a deck like Grixis that everybody's like, oh, this is just a worse mid-range deck than the ones we're already playing. And he's like, no, you're wrong. I'm just going to play cards that you're not familiar with and top eight a bunch of times. Like, it just means you're insane at Magic. Now, the cards are there. In the same way Li Shi Tian played uh, Blue Moon. But, like, right. we don't believe that the Grixis control deck is actually... It's, it might be. I mean, now it, it it gets even better. But now it's a now it's a Death Shadow deck. Like Death Shadow makes Grixis Control probably the best deck in the format. Yes. But that's not what we're referring to here. This is the counterspell based version of that deck. And that's that's, a, well, there was the counterspell based, but then there was then, also the tap out one with like Jace Rins Prodigy and Snapcaster Mage, Colagon's sure. Command, like just the heavy value. Yeah, that's still that's still counter magic based. That still was playing multiple cryptic commands and. Yeah, there was versions of this that played no counter squall. No, no counter spells. There was there were versions of this that were full tap out. I think Chapin's version may have been full tap out. If I sure, but yeah. Anyway, uh, that is Grixis Control coming in at nineteenth place. All right, number eighteen with eleven points. This is the top of the eleven point bracket. Uh, Dredge, you take that. Take it away. <laughs> so the, the reason we put it here and the reason it's so high is you know Dredge is is a deck that had a card banned out for a, a long time. So so with 
Grave Troll not being legal in the format, there's a lot of the history of the format that it wasn't really that good. And when Grave Troll was unbanned, it also still wasn't as important of a deck. What really threw it over the top was Prize Amalgam and the other cards printed in Shadows over Innistrad block that really changed the game. Now, since then, it has been a tier one, you know, tier one, tier two point part of the format to the extent that they had to ban a card. So, you know, looking at as a flash in the pan deck versus Amulet Bloom, this is very comparable. The difference is, is that Amulet Bloom had a card banned out of it and then kind of went away. Well, this is still a tier 1.5 deck in the format and totally a deck that you'd have to worry about in the format any day of the week. Yeah, I mean, this is as explosive a deck as we've ever seen. It's, it's, it's every bit as explosive as a good affinity start. It's every bit as explosive as an insane infect start. Like, this totally. deck can completely house you on turn... I mean, it can be set up to checkmate you on turn two very easily, and turn three wins with this are not out of the question at all. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, this is a great... It, it, the problem with this deck is that it hasn't had that much time legal, and on top of that... It's a very hateable strategy. Right. It's it's comparable to Death Shadow, but its relationship with the ban list and its power level at the top of its game. Like, Death Shadow has never had a card required to be banned out of it. Gitaxian Probe wasn't banned because of Death Shadow. That right. was a different... The, the Death Shadow just got accidentally hurt slash made better because of that ban versus Dredge, which literally was targeted at the beginning of the format and then as soon as it was good again was targeted again with cards banned out of it so it, yep. it, it it exists in a slightly different higher powerful profile position yep um next number 17 scape shift um different with 12 than, points different than titan shift this different is, than titan shift and, and titan shift maybe gives it a little bit of points but the the real thing i want is this is the blue version yeah uh this is the version that like gets to seven mana and plays its thing and wins and it holds up its extra three mana for its you know uh, what was that card called they used to play? Counterflux. Um, this is like the rug version. It's like you would just play like your tribe elders and your ramp spells and, and you just like would just wreck people. Yeah, and, and it's kind of been around the format. There was one point in it that it had its heyday, which was during the uh, Delve era. So when um, uh, Dick Through Time really made this a, a tier one deck and was the best deck in the format, and that's when it won a GP. Um, in that time, it's fallen out of favor and fallen into favor, and it kind of goes anywhere. But it's kind of a deck that's always in the format. It's also a card that had a card banned and then was unbanned, and, and that made it a possible deck, and immediately took advantage of it. It became a real deck in the format. Right, right, right. Um, next, number 12 point higher. Higher 12-point <laughs> deck. It is number 16, Elves. Yeah. This is two GP wins. Yeah, it's it's like it definitely like a funny... Um, I don't fear this deck when I go to a tournament. I don't like think I'm going to have to play against elves. Do, but you, then, do you hear that? What? It's the angry scream of on the internet of every elves player. Well, it's a great deck because you play against this yeah. deck when you're unprepared for it, and they completely catch you with your pants down. It, it's a hard deck to play against. Yep. Um, and especially that now that there's like the, what's the black-green origins elf where you lose life equal to the number of elves you have when it comes with three drops? Sure. Prowess of the Fair? No, that's a different card. No, um, not the Warden card. of the Fair or something? I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you what the name of it is. Um, You're asking me for the name of a card? That's, a that's my point. That's my one weakness on a Magic podcast about I knowing the name of cards. I the name of that card. But, uh, uh, it, I think it's even better now with the Devoted Jewel combo, to be totally honest. That's, yeah. that, that's been playing that a lot. And it's a deck that was already built to take advantage of making absurd amount of mana with creatures and devoted you to sides right into that because it's an elf so I, th I think at a bare minimum that's that helps the deck and maybe this is a higher deck than we're giving it credit for right now but easily two gp wins gets you in the top 20 uh it is it is it is kind of a, a lower tier on that end but i definitely think it deserves its spot 
Yeah, it's a very it's a super linear deck, um, and it is not very hard if you want to hate it out to beat it. And it, historically, it doesn't have the same level of importance as some of the higher decks that are also very linear. Yeah, it's just it doesn't pop into my mind when I'm like, oh, I'll just take this deck and it'll just like crush people. It's right. like you have to kind of catch it on a good weekend. Next, and, and a lot of its power comes from early mat, early modern, but it, it has always been a thing. Uh, straight zoo. Number 12 points, top of the 12-point bracket, number 15. Yeah, going back to the beginning, this is one of the best decks. Straight up. It's the very beginning of modern, and it's shown up over the years. I mean, the, the unbanning of Nicodal made this a thing again. It was out of the format for a long time with the banning of Nicodal. Well, um, in the first six months of modern, it was top three decks easy. It was countercat. It was the deck. Uh, not even just countercat. It, it, there was a point where, while Nicodal, uh, the what's the machine gun red guy that combos with um, the land? Machine gun red guy that combos two damage when he gain, when an opponent gains life. Play red man, bring it back. Two damage when an opponent. Oh, oh, oh! Not a guy, a card. You mean? Yeah, you're yeah. yeah. Grove of the Burnwell is a punishing fire. Punishing fire. Thank you. Yeah. Like when when there was Bloodbraid Elf, punishing fire and Wild Coddle all in modern at the same time. This yeah. deck was maybe the best deck in the format. They had to ban two cards of it, out of it at the same time. I mean, that's just like a very oppressive and unfair thing people were doing. Sure. So. Well, I mean, I would argue that a lot of the car- the decks that have bans here, yeah. <laughs> like are. Com- also were degenerate and deserve yeah, to be banned. Agreed. But, uh, I mean, both Eldrazi, and we already talked about Dredge, <laughs> um, and Amulet Bloom. Uh, but that's true then. Then, you know, it's Naya. There was a big Naya period when Nakala was in the format. Nakala came back, and now Jazoo has always been kind of a part of the format. Right now, it's not at its strongest, but Death Shadow was a Zoo deck. First, Death Shadow Zoo was a black Zoo deck. And then you'll see this show up. Coco Zoo is a thing people play. I've played against that plenty of times. Totally. Like, Night of the Reliquary. It's like, a, you just, yeah, all the good green yep. cards. So. Someone's talking about the Night of the Reliquary. I think this was uh, during the G- GP was saying that Night of the Reliquary is the least played good card in modern. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I forget yeah. who that was. Was it? I don't Jason Holt? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, that sounds, sounds right. right. Yep. Uh, all right. Number 14 with 13 points. It's 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 close to matching. This is the bottom of the 13-point bracket. Just Guy Control. So this has won two GPs. So like you'll notice that winning two GPs definitely brings you up on the list. Zoo has also won, I think, two GPs. I'm going to look to This is also a deck, crazy. by the way, Just Guy Control. There's a, there's a recent version of Just Guy Control that's been showing up with four Logic Knots in the main deck. I love Logic Knot. By the way, Logic Knot is maybe the most underrated counterspell in the format. It's yeah. probably the best one. And so this could raise... This could, uh, this could, that costs... Less than Cryptic Command. <laughs> this could rise up um, higher on the list pretty easily if if that Logic Knot version we're talking about like has some a couple of really good showings at Grand Prix. I would not get Grand Prix. I would not be surprised if Jeskai started to get close to breaking the top ten. Sure. Um, because you know this has been a good deck for a long time. The issue with this deck has just been that like uh, it's been good and then the format kind of shifts and it's like. It just doesn't play a kind of magic that is that well, powerful. It's very interactive with creatures, but if you're going against non-creature decks, it doesn't do as much as you want it to do. This includes like the hashtag Team Geist Jeskai decks and everything. But the the problem with Jeskai and blue white control in general is the more stable a format is, the better the deck is going to be. And modern has not really had a super stable metagame for a long period of time. One of my best, you know, early, one of the reasons I got into modern in the first place is one of my early finishes with it that was good was with a straight blue-white control list and played it right before Bloodbraid Elf was planned. New, like, matchup was great. Judd matchup was great. Wall of Omens is real good against Bloodbraid Elf. I knew exactly what I was doing. They blood they banned Bloodbraid Elf in the next tournament. I got smoked because I had no idea what decks I was supposed to be preparing for. Well, it's because this is... A, okay, essentially, this is Jeskai Flash. That's what this deck has been. And and the deal with it is, you're either going to go 
heavier with more like with more counter magic, or you're going to go heavier with more creature removal. And if you pick the wrong half of it in the wrong tournament, this deck just fails. I mean, more than anything, what this deck is is really Snapcaster Mage with four Lightning Bolt and four Lightning Helix, and yeah. then other good blue-white cards. Yep. Totally. And whatever those are at the time, Geist sometimes... You know, Path the Exile is almost always there. Starting out of Counter Magic. I've played against people. Delver. Play, people play Sphinx's Rev as a one or two of sometimes in this deck. Totally. I mean, I've played many different versions <laughs> of yeah. this deck, but yeah. Um, next, number 13. And this is the only thing with. Thir I think this is the only thing in the entire, entire list that has the same amount of points at the same spot. 13 points at number 13. It's kind of the middle. Uh, Storm. Right. Storm, the ultimate, I want to win a Grand Prix and show up just like and smoke people if I'm a pro deck. That's like what this deck is. This is a I deck. Mean, this that, is the ultimate, like, th is, there's not a single deck in modern history that has had more cards banned out from under it. Right. This is lost, this is lost now. Seething Song, Gre uh, Gitaxian Probe. Well, starting, it, it lost. Um, Ponder Preordain. And uh, uh, Fire. Oh, yeah. Right of Flame. Right of Flame. And Seething Song and Gitaxian Probe. Seething Song, Gitaxian wow. Probe. Yeah. It's like kind of <laughs> crazy how many cards have been banned out of. Splinter, like like as a st if I was a storm player, yeah. I would feel so beaten consistently. Not to mention treasure cruise and dig through time. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, and it continues to just put up results because they you know they printed Baral, which makes this deck better. Yeah, they're always going to print cards that make this deck slightly better. And the question is, how does the storm card deck player figure out how to be well, good? Like storm deck, is good right now. <laughs> yeah, the reason storm gets to be close to the top ten is because in the early days, this deck didn't play Electromancer. And then it started playing Electromancer because it needed the acceleration because it was losing its its big mana accelerants. Yep. And now it plays Baral and Electromancer because it's even better and you don't get Gitaxian probes. You need to be able to play the better spells for cheaper. Totally. And, you know, that's what the deck does now. And it just continues to be good. Yeah. I, I, I think in Magic's history, they're going to always have trouble getting rid of the deck that's just like, how many spells can I cast in one turn? And I think they will always regret printing Storm in the first place. But even without Storm cards, there are other effects, I think, in Magic that, like, well, they, it's in Standard right now. You would just play Aetherworks, not Aetherworks Reservoir, but uh, the every time you cast a spell, gain a life no, equal to how many spells you've cast that turn, and then you can pay 50 light to kill a player. Aetherworks Reservoir. I'm literally in Standard killing people. It is Aetherworks Reservoir. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, it's Reservoir, and then there's Marvel. Yeah, yeah, Aetherworks Reservoir. I literally have a Standard deck right now that is a Storm deck because... They're just going to always have cards like that. Well, and also, like, let's be honest. There's enough things that we were talking about this last week on our episode that trigger off of instant or sorceries that, like, you can win off of lots of things. You can yeah. win off of having a kiln fiend in play and winning. You can win off of having a, 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 a pyrom young pyromancer and effects that like double down on haste totally. and plus. You can or just like stuff like a gut snipe or gutter, uh, snipe. gutter snipe. Yeah, you win with gutter snipe. Yeah, yep. there's if you can cast seven spells in a turn, you're gonna find a way to win with it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, even in fact, like. Uh, not Kyrie, uh, John Finkel is on the record saying that Infect is the best storm deck. Storm deck in modern. It's the best combo deck. No, like because it's about at that point it was literally about how many spells can I cast in one turn. Right. And it was like pump 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 pump. I win. And that's like what it played like. Storm did. It's just you had to have a creature attacking at the same time. Yeah. Um. All right. Next, number twelve with thirteen points as well. Abzan. Straight like abs junk, abs drunk abs range. Yeah, abs so mid range. This is a weird one. This is one of Grand Prix. It's traditionally referred to and thought of as a as a uh, one point five version of regular Jun. It's the closest thing to the Jun deck. Sometimes Jund. it's better than Jun. 
it had a period of time of about six months to a year where siege rhinos were running around and it after there was, the yeah there's one point where it was strictly better but before Colgan's command was printed where it was just siege rhino made the deck a better deck and you showed up and the mid-range deck to play that the pros all played was abzan and it was it was even during the time of like it was during the time of like birthing pod some people would just play the straight mid-range abzan mm-hmm. deck. people just liked playing this deck well and especially once birthing pod was banned abzan became kind of the go-to deck yeah, because lingering souls really became the card you know, there was the four-color Jun decks in the transition that people played, and it was that idea that, like, well, you know, Death Ray Shaman was still around and led you to fix your mana. It was like, Lingering Souls is just so good. Oh, why don't we just play the deck that makes this easier to cast? Sure. And that was kind of where we were. And it's it's a fairly uninteresting deck, and it's funny. Uh, Voice of Resurgence was played in this deck. It's just good. It's just value. Yep. Just straight-up value. Totally. Um, yeah, it does really powerful things. And, and now, you know, the difference is that it has the options that Jun does with Lingering Souls and Grim Flayer. Path to Exile is a really good card. And Path to, yeah. And it's really Path to Exile or Bold and which one's better at the time. And now, uh, with Fatal Push, that conversation becomes even more difficult. Yeah, definitely. Um, Eldrazi, number 11. We call this Eldrazi because it refers to a couple different things. So Everything from Mardu Eldrazi with Corbin all the way to Eldrazi Winter and Bant Eldrazi and White Black Eldrazi. It's Eldrazi kind of a Tron. big... El- yeah, I mean, that, the, the Eldrazi, the really powerful Eldrazi cards that make this what it is have not been around very long. Oath of the Gatewatch is like a year and a half old or something, right? Two years old? A year and a half. year and a half. And, you know, friend of the podcast, Andrew Brown, top eight at a Pro Tour. Um, you know, JC won a Pro Tour. This completely dominated and took yeah, over yeah. Stand, uh, Modern for an as entire season. As far as season. its modern Pro Tour finish, it there is nothing paralleled, I think, in the history of the Pro Tour to what Modern Eldrazi did. Yeah, and then it showed up and just smoked a Grand Prix. I mean, it was totally like, unfair Was it magic. seven out of the eight decks were Eldrazi decks? Like six of them, I think. But, yeah, it was like it did really, really, really unfair things in a way that Wizards just did not anticipate. And, you know, it like... It was the fastest, most broken kind of magic. And and honestly, for the time it was around, it was awesome. That That's the one deck. Now you have Bant Eldrazi, which is a very good deck. You have Eldrazi and Taxes, which is kind of like a Hate Bears hybrid. You've got Eldrazi Tron, which is top eight at a Grand Prix last weekend. You've got, or two weekends ago. Um, Multiple weekends since yeah, Eldrazi so Tron's been a thing. The bottom line is that, you know, you still have a you still have a soul land you can play that yep. refers to a really good four four and a really good five five and a, and two value three drops and that's enough people people can find value that's sixteen playable creatures in your creature slots sure. with a soul land that gets you faster towards casting them and it's not like noble hierarchs not a good card so in general it's this is a good thing to be doing and I think the reason it's so high for us is that it had one season that it was dominant and it continues to run around. This will probably raise higher as we it, go it, forward. It single-handedly broke an entire format, and then, like, Dredge is high. One of the reasons because it survived its banning process. Right. And this is a deck that definitively did that. Definitely. Uh, all right, number 10. Top 10. Top 10. Top 10, everybody. Now we're going we're gonna to talk pretty much a little bit more for each deck, I think. All right, with 14 points, bottom of the 14 bracket, very much focused on one one-drop, that sometimes slips into a 3-2, covers multiple color combinations, including blue-red, rug, Jeskai, and Grixis. We got Delver. Yeah, and this is this is a really weird one, I think, because, okay, Delver's a great card. Delver is not the definitive card within these archetypes because the archetypes we're talking about that use Delver are very different decks. Teamer Delver and Grixis Delver are, are very different decks. Right. It, it has won multiple GPs. Three, I yep. believe, yep. Um, including the Grixis one. So a Grixis GP, and then two um, other. I think there's yep. a Rug Delver one and a Blue Red 
like like part of the reason this gets thrown up so high is because of the uh, Delve era during the Treasure Cruise summer, Blue Red Delver, and that was a fall, but sure. Yeah, but that was pretty clearly just the best deck. Or autumn, if you want to be fancy. Okay, look at you. <laughs> hey, um, you're the one actually wearing a suit right now. It's a big surprise, guys. Did, did you do anything but hang out at the offices of Kesko? Uh, I had to come from an event last night. Oh, okay, so this is what you so this is what you wore yesterday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do last night that I had to wear? A We're suit all judging for? you. I like don't even. So you you literally have presented yourself at work all day in a walk of shame outfit. Kind of. I don't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like just having a complete. We stroke. did our spoiler card. Yep. I'm having a stroke. Oh, I, I recorded action movie anatomy yesterday. Oh yeah. And I went and I stayed with my girlfriend, and that's why I didn't go home and I came here. Yeah. They're clean clothes. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, you know. Didn't even think he needed to change his outfit. It's okay. I yep. wore these jeans yesterday, too. It's a tuxedo. <laughs> Is it actually a tuxedo? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very impressed. I like this jacket. Yeah. All right. Let's keep talking. Uh, all right. Delver Secrets. <laughs> top <Yeah>. 10. <laughs> a midpoint between the top 20 and top 10 uh, outfit conversation. One uh, my, it's one of my favorite cards of all time, Delver Secrets. I love this card. I, I mean... So the the one thing is that even though I wouldn't call it the definitive card, like it's not like it's the card that makes these decks run. Well, if you take this card away, these just shift into similar strategies. Because well, well, they're the it's tempo. Yeah. It, the difference is that statement because Grixis without Delver is a control deck. Yep. Or at best a mid range deck. Jeskai without Delver is a is a control deck, maybe a burn deck. Like these decks aren't Jeskai is maybe the closest because you can play like the Geist versions that have other tempo versions without Delver. But the unifying factor is they're about play a card on one turn one and then don't let it die and don't let your opponent do anything until it kills them. I believe Chapin's original Del uh, uh, Grixis deck was referred to as Delverless Delver, if I recall. That's, yeah, when, that's he, when, yeah, he, yeah. when he announced it. And we had him on here talking about it. I think that was what he called it. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just, you can't, without Delver, these decks morph into something else. It's not the only card, but it's a very important card towards unifying these strategies. Sure. Mm -hmm. And during Blue Red, that Eldrazi or is oh that sorry, a, it's one three. So one Grixis Delver and two Rug Delvers have won. Yeah, during yeah. that Delver, during that Delver stretch, the blue red stretch. This was the you had to have this card. Without this card, that deck didn't work. Totally. Um. So anyway, that is and uh, and when you when you we get into this conversation of the other top ten, this is one of one one two three four five decks that have won three or more GPs. Period. Yeah. So like that's part of its reason of being in the top ten. If totally. you've won three or more GPs, you deserve to be in the top ten decks of all time. Yep. Hands down. Number um, eight. Right? Yeah. All right. No, number nine. Okay. That, that was, was number ten. Sweet. It also has 14 points. So this is what we rated above Delver for 14 points. Sick. This has two GP wins, maybe three if I'm completely forgetting one since 2017 started. And I don't think I am, so I think it's two. Uh, fan favorite of people like Corbin Hauser, the professor. Uh, yep. You got Hausler. Hostler. Hostler. Uh, <laughs> I apologize, Corbin. Uh, and a lot of fish. It's, yeah. got, it's Merfolk. Everyone loves Merfolk. Everyone loves Merfolk. This is it's funny. Cause Except for uh, Merfolk is the most behated best deck in the format in the sense that it is every time I've ever had a conversation with a pro player about Merfolk, they like hate on it. But then it just like within a month later has won a GP every time they've done it. Yeah, I think they like roll their eyes. I, yeah, I recall like who was it? Was it Andrew Brown who rolled his eyes? Yeah, Andrew like, Brown. Andrew Brown, I think, literally rolled his eyes and then it like got it won that GP and then it that won the Grand Prix. Yeah, that same day. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's total. It's just it's really powerful. It, this totally. this deck is um, 
because this deck is not only an aggressive deck, but it also, because of the card spreading seas, has the ability to severely disrupt your game plan while yep. making its game plan better. And that's a thing that is, like, terrifying. Some decks, when you go against a Merfolk deck and they beat you in game one, you sit there just being like, okay, I have to side into X, Y, or Z plan. And they're like, but what if they hit spreading seas on me on turn two? Then I can't play my sideboard card that's harder to cast. Or, like, what if they just get the start that they want and I, like, kill one creature? Like... This deck is super resilient because it's mm-hmm. the it, because it goes so wide and it, it's like immediately attacking for sixteen. Yeah, we, I mean we have we've done a lot of testing with this deck because it's one of the decks I have fully built and and it one of the twelve <laughs> it is super resilient and aggressive. Like obviously the hands of just like I have every creature removal spell in the format wreck it, but it just like with Mutavault, there's like so many different things that it does that it's are really only, powerful. It's the only four of Aether Vial deck in modern that's a real yeah. deck. And and that's part of it. Aether Vial is a really powerful card and this is just the best deck to take advantage of it. Because when you have eight lords twelve, right? Or well no, eight, eight lords at two mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four card draw two ones at two mana. Yeah. Like Two mana starts doing a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's not to mention really a bounce spell at two mana, uh, a lock, a creature down, a, reg- a Tarmogoyf down creature at two mana. Like it does a lot of really powerful things. Yes, yeah, and then like the top end now being Master of Waves. Yeah, well then that's the other half. It's like it's a, it has a fatal push resistant lightning bolt proof two one that creates a bunch of one twos or two ones yeah. with it is like an insane card. Yeah, really good. Um, next up, Abzan Company. So. This is a funny one to me because we've taught we when one rating our top three or four, Abzan Company came up not in contention for those slots, but because it was my argument for why what I believe is one of the best decks in the format deserves to be the best deck in the format that we'll get in a little bit more. But Abzan Company is obviously great since it's existed. It's been a, a you know Coco itself has spawned multiple decks. Right, and elves think, exist because of Coco. I think it's important for us to note that like if you are saying to yourself, isn't this and like pre Birthing Pod banning this kind of the same deck? They've both had so much success that we had to separate them. Uh, yes, yeah, separately decks. they're both in the top ten decks. They and play a lot of the same. If cards, they were if we were the, the same deck, they would literally be the best deck in the format. Uh, and one of them, well, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but Abzan Company, very powerful. Multiple, you know, like it's one multiple GPs. It 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 consistently has the thing of just the best three and below drops, one of the best combos. It combines being an aggressive deck with being a combo deck in the perfect kind of way you want it to buy, combine. Um, and yeah, it's just really good. Yeah, it's, it's an really testament good. to how good some of these cards are. Sick. Uh, I don't know how much more we can say about it. I was in Coco. Oh, it has 15 points. Yeah. It is this bottom of the 15-point bracket. Next in the 15-point bracket, this is a classic strategy. This strategy has been around since the beginning of Magic. Literally since the beginning because there was a point where there wasn't the four of rule in Magic, and so you could literally play a deck with 10 islands, or right. uh, 12, you know, 18 mountains and 32 lightning bolts, or whatever the deck limit was. That's burn. Yeah, and this has always been good. There's various versions. There's been... There's been Naya Burn, which is probably the most prominently played now. There, I think Naya Burn has spent the longest time at the top of the burn heap. I think it's now going on two and a half years. Right. Um, and before that, there was there was Mono Red Burn, and then there was Naya. There was there was uh, Boros. Boros Burn. Yeah. There was Black Red Burn. There was like the burn with. Uh, Bob and the Black Bump in the Night. Bump in the Night. Yeah, I think it was like, Mardu. I think that was like a, there was a Mardu. There's a Mardu version. So th- there's been other versions, but I think like 
Naya Burn has been the burn deck, period. Like for a, while. for a while now. Well, there's a couple cards. There's just been a few cards printed that have really done that. And I actually think, honest to God, I think Destructive Revelry is, Revelry is one of the big cards that got totally. printed that pushed this into green because that card ended up being such an important factor. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think it's been splashing green forever because of that reason. Yeah. Uh, and then call and then uh, not Colgan's command. Sorry. Um, Atarka's command. Atarka's command yeah. just threw it straight into just green, black, green, white, red are yep. the three best colors. Because be because this. this deck really does want to have Path to Exile. Uh, in its deck, it wants. I mean, it, no, 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 it wants. It wants Boros Charm. Boros Charm. But it also but wants. It plays some t- paths in the side. It's really Boros Charm in the main, and then you have Lightning Helix in the side. Are like the two big. Yes, reasons but for but it. this deck. Anytime I've ever played against this deck, and it's and I've gotten tricked or it's like gotten me, it's because it brings in its path to exiles. Sure. And it's that's how it gets rid of your Firewalker is that they don't care and they're like, I'll just fine, I'll just path, path to your it. creature, sure. and that's the thing that they end up winning with. I've seen more skull cracks against them yes that's been my core firewalker murder i made that mistake this week it was <laughs> stupid skull that's a good card <laughs> i didn't um, realize that it's, it took away the protection. yeah but i mean this strategy will always be good there's always going to be an amalgamation of great ways of killing a player with damage directly to their face uh and just yeah that's welcome to magic this is this is one of probably the four most iconic ways of playing magic the gathering yeah you have lightning bolt it's been a good card forever yep number six with 15 points at the top of the 15-point pile, I'm pretty sure has a zero win rate against number seven, for all intents and purposes. Uh, but otherwise, red-green Tron. This can't beat Burn. Cannot beat Burn. I think they, like I think if I wanted to, I could beat Burn. There's been a lot of versions of Tron. Tron's been good forever. Uh, this is the best one, though. This is the simple one. This is the elegant one. It, I mean, it, the way it beats Burn is it gets a turn three uh, worm, worm Coil Engine. Yeah, this is the this is the... Expedition map, Pyroclasm, Sylvan Scrying, Oblivion Stone, Karn, Ugin, uh, just Red Green being the best version historically. Grove of the Burn Willows. Grove of the Burn Willows. This is a very iconic deck in modern history. It's been it's never won a GP. It's high though because this is a deck that's actually specifically bad at GPs. But it is such an iconic and important pillar of the format. And it's been the deck that so so many different times I can remember going to an event or a PTQ and somebody being like, oh, you really got to watch out for Tron. Like, that's the deck. Like, this has been the deck to fear for, like, periods of time, long periods of time. It's also, like, it's the big anti-fair deck. And if you look at our top five, two of those have, like, strictly just lost to Tron. And and there are two areas where both of those decks were the best deck in the format. This, I would also say, if we wanted to smush um, uh, Locust Lands... Oh, oh, cloud post. Cloud post, maybe Eight, a little tw- bit. Twelve post, a little, yeah, twelve post, a little bit into the bottom of this category. In the very beginning. In the very beginning, because like Tron is literally that deck. Just the less good version. Less good version. Um, like if cloud post, Tron wouldn't be a deck because cloud post, and then the format would be bad because that format sounds awful. Yeah. But Tron's just really good. There's there's other versions. There's blue. There's blue white. I think the most popular after red green is blue. Um, I've seen. It's not maybe the be- second best of the different op- options, but I think the most popular second place is blue, probably because it does other fun things. But yeah, red green is just just I, red green Tron is one of the best decks in the format. I think black Tron and white Tron. I'm, yeah, people have played all yep. all the versions. Um, number five with the sixteen points. This is the only one in the sixteen point bracket. This is definitively the fifth best best the the, 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 the definitively the fifth best deck in modern according to those scientists. According to these super scientists. This is, but they didn't even need to go to si- committee. This is straight up was going to be fifth place no matter what we did. In fact, 
so much worse now than it has been, but a card that took advantage of the fact that it played the most broken Delve spell left for a long time and uh, just has been Even good. without that, like, in fact, was a tier 1.5 deck since, well, since Mag- since Modern existed, starting with Blazing Shoal. Like, yeah, gra- true. Bra- Blazing Shoal, in fact, was top eight of the first Modern Pro Tour. And since then, there has been an Infect deck. There, as we said earlier, Brian Kibler, not Brian Kibler. Uh, Ari Lax. Nope. Uh, no, no, best, John uh, Finkel. John Finkel said, "This is the best storm deck in modern." <laughs> I remember, like, I definitely remember reading the first articles when I think it was Ari Lax was was the guy who was popularizing this in the very beginning when it started sure. to pick up. And I remember reading his articles about it and thinking, like, "Oh yeah, I get it. It's cute." And then people were like, "Oh yeah, Ari Ari did well with that." Or like, "Oh, a few people did really well with that deck. It's starting to pick up." And then all of a sudden, it was like, "Yeah, that's a real deck." Oh, enter become immense. That deck's insane. Yeah. Like that deck's really unfair. And well, when they banned every delve spell. But Delve was still really powerful. That modern Pro Tour where they burnt, banned all those, like literally that's where Gurmag Angler came from. That's when Tassiger started seeing play. Yeah. And that's when Infect became a huge part of the format. Because before then, Infect was bad against Snapcaster, Lightning Bolt, Treasure Cruise decks. It's really hard to beat that, uh, that value, level of value, when you're an Infect deck. But as soon as those went away, and it had this whole Delve world available to it, it became just a monster. Yeah, very, 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 very good. Um... Next, Are we good. Are we Next this? up, yep. yep. I, I do. Well, what's your thought? Do you think Infect has a chance of becoming good again uh, with Fatal I, Push and Gitaxian Probe, both one leaving and one entering? I think Infect is still a really good deck. Um, I think probably like what exactly what happened to Grixis Shadow is that like if Infect wanted to become a good deck again, I think it would take somebody reimagining the play pattern. I think. Sure. I think that the play pattern, the way it worked, the sort of the, the sort of counting your spells and assuming what your opponent had, and but trying to get there in like those first few turns before your opponent could really set up, I think it becomes a much more like you play a much more like answer centric. Um, I don't think you're trying to win with like one big turn. I mean, like, something I was thinking about earlier today, and we we mentioned a junt version on the on the the podcast, uh, but doing a junt. Or even maybe Grixis, the pump spells you lose are probably too much. But going Jund, where you play, you know, uh, Plague Stinger, yeah, instead of uh, the unblockable one that I'm not remembering off the top of my head, and you get four Thoughtseize, Blighted, Agent, Blighted yeah. Agent, you get four Thoughtseize, and you get our spoiler card from you know Claim to Fame, where you can start bringing back these cards that Fatal Push is killing, plus giving them the pump of two plus two plus zero, and you get some pretty decent pump spells in red. Yeah, I think I th- you start putting together a deck that's really interesting. Well, I think our, our spoiler card that we just premiered would be pretty sick to fi- try to find a way to play in this yeah. deck. Claim to fame. Claim to fame, right? Don't you think? Yeah. This I just said it. Like, Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I did ben the thing. Was, you did the thing. Yeah. It's not only me. I'm not yeah. pulling with crazy ADD. Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think that probably the Infect deck that becomes a deck is playing it as a tempo deck as opposed to playing it as an all-in combo deck because what you're effectively doing is like, why is Delver of Secrets good? Delver of Secrets is good because it represents roughly one-seventh of somebody's life total on one swing, and mm-hmm. it's evasive. Sure. Well, a 1-1 one, one Infect creature is a 2-2 two, two for 1. Mm-hmm. So if you figure out a way that you, you have to connect a few times, and if you pump a couple times, even a little bit, you don't have to attack very many times. And I think that that's where this deck probably goes, is it becomes tempo-y rather than all-in. But 
I think you can still be all in. It's just a well, little that's, bit. That's why I'm saying go Jund a little bit because by going Jund, you get Thoughtseize. And Thoughtseize replaces Gitaxian Probes in many ways. Yeah. And, and is probably better because you rip the removal spell out of their hand if they have it. And it also allows you to play our, our, our spoiler cards. So you can rebuy a thing. I think uh, Plague Stinger is not much worse. It's definitely worse than Blighted Agent, but I think it offers something. The other way to go is Grixis, but you have to figure out a way to replace the pump spells. And I think there's a way to do that um, it's just as a, you lose your one drop and you have to get, you have to use red pump spells, which are significantly worse, but not that much worse. Um, like I honestly, when I think about the version of this that I would want to build, it's much, it's much closer to the, like the Glistener elf, like tempo E play rancors and like have, have like, you know, have like tempo spells have like, sure. That's, I think bringing rancors back is also an interesting idea. Yeah. That seems like a good thing. So anyway, that's uh number four, right? Yep. Or, yeah. No, 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 number five. That was five? Yep. Well, I thought the number five deck was... In oh, fact. That. All right, sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four with 17 points. Bottom of the 17 bracket. This is the last bracket before everything was very much the card it was. Uh, has been probably one of the best decks of the format of all time, though hasn't won a GP since Bloodbraid Elf was banned. This is Jund. Yeah, Jund, an old favorite, a pro favorite. And once we again... Death Shadow Jund doesn't count. Yeah, this is traditional <laughs> mid-range Jund. So, this was dominant for a long time. Always top-headed Pro Tours. Uh, well, was the best deck in the format by a wide margin. By a wide margin. Shadow lost in the finals against um, Stanislav Sivka at Pro Tour Return to Ravnica. Um, this has been this has been a Bloodbraid Elf Deathrite Shaman deck. This adapted and played other cards. Like, it's this. Well, it started, yeah, it started with Bloodbraid Elf and Deathrite Shaman. It originally started with. The, the combo we were talking about earlier with um blazing not blazing shoal two damage from the graveyard yes punishing fire. punishing fire uh but that evolved got banned uh then bloodbraid elf got banned um and then we moved into the deathlight shaman era where it kind of became a four color to five color deck where it was playing lingering souls and a johnny vengeance instead of bloodbraid elf at its top end um and then, and even before that, it started playing Lingering Souls because in the mirror match, Lingering Souls is really good against Liliana of the Veil. Yeah. And then, then Death Rage Shaman got banned because um, it was very stifling on the format. And then from that point on, Jund has at one point became Junk more than Jund. We talked about that already. What was, what was that long period of time where it didn't play Bob? What was like, was that this deck that didn't play Bob? Or yeah. was it that, uh, it was that Abzan didn't play Bob? This deck Abzan was, definitely never, that, the, Abzan didn't play Bob. Jund has always played some amount of Bobs. Um, but, but Abzan, Abzan was the real one that because they didn't want to flip Rhino because they played so many Rhinos. Is Rhino that... and Tassiger. Oh, Rhino. that's right. They didn't want to do it because of Tassiger. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because so Tassiger is really good because you can get Lingering Souls and, yeah. and other good things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Jund has just always been good, and it's always it's always been it's a super fair deck. I mean, pros always felt like they could get fifty two percent if they played this deck, yep. and and like. It's not even like that specific of a strategy. It's like you can kind of six to eight discard spells for Liliana the Veil or the other one. Uh, four Bob, four Tarmogoy, four, four Bob, some amount of scavenging ooze, but four. somewhere uh, around twelve removal spells. Four the bolt thing, four of them. Yeah, either four bolt or four four fatal push or a combination of those with some terminates. Probably like, a, a maelstrom pulse and, and like two ish of your four drops. Two to four four drops. Cletus uh, these days. It hasn't been Cletus in a. W- now it's weird, but uh, you know. But it was Cletus for a long time. Cletus, Kieran, and Pian for a while. Chandra, four mana Chandra is I think now kind of the standard one. Olivia, uh, Olivia Voldaren is always the standard one. Huntmaster is a big one. Bloodbraid Elf, 
yeah uh, a johnny vengeance <laughs> yeah lots of good ones yep so that that's 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 junt all in a nutshell yep or a junt shell a, no <laughs> uh chestnuts ro- roasting on it now who's having open a, fire now who's having a stroke <laughs> <laughs> number three top of the 17 bracket this is uh originally ben's pick probably for best deck in the format yeah, I was, uh, trying, I was trying to make a strong argument. Um, and that is the winner of GP Vegas Affinity. Yeah, three of the top four decks of GP Vegas Affinity. Here's my argument. Second most GP wins of any deck. I got argued out of this, but my point was basically that the format started, and from the time it started until now, this has been a deck that could absolutely crush you. Out of nowhere, high 70% win percentage game one if it was on the play against you. And it's never had a card band because it's never been oppressive or unfair to the point that, like, People were worried. People have talked about it, but it's always been right on that edge of fair. And to me, that represents a couple things. It represents the exact kind of balance of power, the elegance that you want out of a top-tier deck. And it's just the fact that it's been so consistent for so long, and it's changed forms. You know, people have tried cards here and cards there, but it always comes back to me is what I think in the fact that four Grand Prix now. But I get it. It's not... It's not a deck that if you're prepared for it, you have a problem with. And the top decks, if you were prepared for them, they could still crush you. Death Shadow, Dredge, uh, Zoo, Storm, Eldrazi, Abzan, Delver, Abzan Company. And then the, the next two decks above it, Jund, and maybe even Infect, have all been the best deck in the format. Affinity has never been once the best deck in modern yeah it's always been like it's always been like what are the top few decks in modern it's, it's always like, like a deck you could play top three or top totally totally it, it is a it is a consistently good deck that if the metagame was focusing on the wrong other deck that the hate didn't really cross into your world you're gonna have a great day um and also and and and, and, and more gps than any other deck but one uh Obviously very strong. Classic. Like, I, I definitely think it belongs in the top three. I even could say that maybe it belongs in the top two, but I definitely don't think it's the best deck. I would say that the one of the big reasons that it's even even despite it still gets to be a top three or top five all time deck in anybody's book is because a lot of the decks you're talking about a single ley line of the void, for instance, just ends you or like whereas like a fi- I, I can name. 12 artifact hate cards right now that make it so affinity can't beat you what like shatterstorm you mean or, or shattering spree you mean there's two so but but remember with <laughs> there's affinity, the replicate one there's yeah it's shattering spree you have to draw ancient those, grudge yeah, there's okay. stony but single, silence but a single ancient grudge doesn't end affinity stony, stony silence, silence ends it pretty close to it pretty close to it so i think yeah definitely there's hate cards you, but leyland of sanctity yes and something leyland avoid and rest of peace and some of these things but like a leyland and there's graveyard hate that hates a lot of these decks out it doesn't kill jund it yeah. doesn't it's like, fair I, I would still dredge is way lower than this i'm not saying affinity isn't more resilient than some of these other decks but i think affinity unchecked the other decks we're talking about having just like repeatedly just... like you're, you're talking about these other decks is like oh these other decks are decks that like are classically able to be hated out of the format affinity is literally the deck people talk about when they talk about a deck that could be hated out of the format. but you're talking about all these other decks that have like a, a similarly high power level that have been left unchecked well storm doesn't just win four grand prix like the other ones you're talking about, they and they're make, all lower than affinity. So I'm saying that's why I think affinity. It's affinity. I definitely think affinity belongs in the top five, four, and three decks in the format. Yeah, I would argue that it's right on the edge of being as good or I better. I could see Jund being better than Affinity, and if Jund had won a Grand Prix in the last four, two years, I would maybe give it, but it didn't. So the I fact agree that, that three of the top four at this last Grand Prix to me is like a 
pretty pretty good reminder. But of that's how good a sign this deck is. more that everyone was really high on uh, graveyard hate and yeah. counter company hate, and was really low on affinity hate. All right, fair enough. It, affinity wins when people forget about it. Yeah, but when they forget about it, it wins. It doesn't just top eight or do it like doesn't just do well. It wins the Grand Prix. That's the difference. But, sure. That's but what it, I'm it just has had more time to be put in that position. I think Dredge is in the exact same. Yeah, because nothing's been banned because it's always been on the edge. But, of but Dredge started banned. Yeah, I you, I'm, I've made my point. This is this is third, <laughs> and I think it's it could easily be in the same conversation as the others. Uh, all right, number two. Yep. Oh, we're good. Okay, we're good on time. Number two with 19 points. That means you rated it with a 10, and I rated it with a nine. <laughs> yep. By the way, uh, I rated Affinity with an eight, and Ben rated it with a nine. I rated Jund with a nine, and Ben rated it with an eight. Um, and last, uh, in fact, I rated it with a nine. You rated it with a seven. Those are the the ratings. Uh, Splitter Twin, nineteen points. I like feel like this should be the number one deck of all time, and you talked me out of it based on statistics. Um, you, you and my crazy uncle, <laughs> we got in a very long argument about a political thing, and he was like, "Ignore all of the numbers you're using to prove me wrong." Emotionally, do you feel this way? I'm like, the numbers <laughs> prove you wrong. <laughs> Math wins always. Math isn't uh, has, okay. Continue. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's obviously very close. I think you guys all probably know where we're going with the number one. But um, Splitter Twin, I mean, look, this deck has suffered, has suffered all every different season, every different idea, every different take until it was banned. And it always represented the sort yeah. of, it always represented the exact place that we, I think we all thought the format should be living. And it's, I think now looking back, it's, I guess it's fine that it's banned. The format's in a great place. And the, the format, I think this deck being banned has opened up more diversity. I don't know. I lo I still love this deck, and I think if this was legal, it, I don't think it ruins the format. It it just definitely makes it the higher level people want to play something they're comfortable with. And the issue with this deck is it's effectively a Grixis control deck or a blue red control deck with just eight Pokemon cards. Is what the that's like what they used to say, uh, Andrew and those guys when they were like brewing. They'd be always like, yeah, you just like play your regular control deck, and then you just like draw your fake Magic cards and win. And it's true, and that's why this deck was good. Yeah, there's there's a part of me that looks at our top ten deck lists and like. This is a modern format that existed. All these decks, none of them are super new. Uh, we resisted, you know, we don't have many of them, but like Delver, Merfolk, Abzan Company, Burn, Red Green Tron, Infect, Jund, Affinity, Splinter Twin, Blank. Um, these are all decks that like have this feel of what modern should kind of look like. And even if you go a little beyond that, where you get Eldrazi, Abzan, Storm, Jeskai, Control, Zoo, the, like this is the modern in my head, and and especially like a, a Affinity, Splinter Twin, and the last deck on the list in Jund are like what I consider the pillars in my head of modern history. Yeah, definitely. I, look, Splinter Twin has been Grixis, it has been Blue Red, it has been Jeskai. Um, it's played every. It's played Spellskites, less Spellskites. Yeah, Teamer. I think, uh, Twisted I think in images. order... It was most often blue edge straight, secondary teamer, then Grixis, then Jeskai. Uh, I would say actually Jeskai over Grixis. Yeah, definitely. Because Jeskai, Jeskai like weirdly did well with it. Grixis was like one was like one season. Um, yeah. yeah, look, I this I, I missed this deck a lot. I actually I actually found twin mirror matches and like to be so fun. I I like really do think it was like one of the most fun things at the highest level. But I do understand that it was it was very very. Um, incestuous that like the decks all kind of looked the same and everything had to be built with this idea that you had, had to, to be able to deal with that and in fact at the same time like like those two decks together really put this weird level of how do you interact with the format yeah and it was hard to convince yourself if you were ever blue, like brewing like a blue red deck to not just be like well 
I should just have the twin cards in there. And, and, and you know, with this deck gone, blue hasn't really ever recovered. I mean, if you look at Merfolk is the only other blue list in the top nine and Delver in the top ten. Yeah. And every other one is a green or red or black deck. Yeah, I think a lot of the I best, guess in fact, in fact is a blue deck. I I'm think sorry. a lot of the best players missed missed this deck. I think that a lot of them had a lot of fun playing it, yep. and it it was the for all the reasons that Jund is fun, but I don't like it. Uh, this I love this deck, and it's it's very much the same thing in like the fair the fair tap out version versus like the tricky response version, and the tricky response I win version is much more my kind of deck, and I miss it. So sure. Number one, ten ten twenty points. Birthing pod. Yeah, I I try to argue yeah. it. Six Grand Prix wins, and it was only really legal for like eighteen months or so. Like really? No. I mean, not only legal, but it was the prominent deck being played at the tier it was one. Was the level. best. It was the best deck in the format for about a year and a half plus, which is more than any other deck here. Like that's a huge run of being the best deck in modern. And part of the reason, even before that, it was it was you know one of those. It was probably the best deck, but people weren't good enough at it. It was one of the most difficult decks to win with. And yeah. so because of that skill cap, it took a year for enough players to start just getting enough reps in with it to be able to really master it. And then at that point, it just became like yeah. insane. And then eventually Siege Rana was printed and it became less hard to play and more like, oh, there's no way I can lose. <laughs> right. So my <laughs> like, question this is... This is a deck that won through, I think, at least one, if not two GPs during the delve spell era yeah like, so it's like ancestral visions was a card legal in the format <laughs> and they couldn't beat birthing pod um kiki angel falls into this category right because the kiki angel deck was a birthing pod deck uh well kiki pod yeah and angel pod and malira pod are the three major pod archetypes right kiki pod being the one that uh was very glass cannony so so the the malira pod is classically considered the best one because it was the one that just like Basically, was a kitchen fix deck that also just automatically won for by playing a couple of free yeah, cards. Yeah, and there was just like the an value. angel pod is 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 a very similar deck and probably was comparable. Right. Um, and then because because the idea being obviously that you could uh, pod into restoration angel, which then would blink your uh, kitchen finks, and yeah, it like well, that's not that's not that's not. Uh, that's Kiki Pod. It that's had restoration you, angels. You just it. Said it didn't have Kiki kitchen finks. Oh, that didn't play Kitchen Finks? No, 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 no. Uh, Malira Pod is the Kitchen Finks deck. I thought More than both, anything. It was just like, it was like Telerio, not not Telerio West. Uh, um, Gaviny Township. Gaviny Township and Kitchen Finks and Malira were I just really Kiki good. I thought Pod played at least no. one Kitchen Finks just for the chain because it's like the best value chain card. Maybe. What, what, what Kiki did, Kiki Pod did more than anything was it played like uh, Splinter Twins and combo cards. So it would untap Birthing Pod. So like if you untapped with two creatures in play, of like seven different mana combinations, yeah, right. you like automatically won. Yeah, always. Yep. Like that. But the point is, is that that's all it did. Yeah. Like it had no way of killing you other than comboing out. Yeah, versus right. Malira combo that killed you through comboing out, and then Angel combo was basically another version of Malira combo, but it was more resistant to graveyard hate. Yeah. But it had a worse creature. Like Be like a uh, uh, um and still played. This is Angel combos in Coco decks, but uh, Spike Feeder is just a worse card yeah, than Malira is. And Archangel of Thune is an insane card. It's funny that um, it's funny that the Court of Calling, its 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 success and its prominence during the era of of this was like it was a like good, but like people didn't give it its due. And then well, this, this is, got banned, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, actually, Court of Calling just really, really, really good. Yeah, and, no, like in, in reality, I think. And we separated them, not to just make it totally unfair, I guess, in the contest. But, like, 
Coco and Birthing Pod are really both Court of Calling decks that happen to have a other engine card. Yes. Because, like, you mentioned that they're different. They're not that different. Like, I, I like think the difference between Birthing Pod is it has a little bit more of the singleton. It had a, has a much larger singleton package. Yes. And it has a, a higher converted mana cost. It has, like, the Revelark endgame and the uh, Ranger of Eos endgame that the would, Coco decks don't have. I would also argue that the Birthing Pod version of this deck played in a much more consistent linear fashion where i think that the collected company versions of this deck is much more like just what i draw and the game's going to go one way or another oh well i think you have to be a better player to do better a better player does better with birthing pod than a better player does with coco yeah the birthing pod deck was like if the birthing pod player had pod in their opening hand they would just like look at the rest of their cards and be like okay like i think well, you I saw me probably, on game like, nights right when i my one game nights appearance with I, jimmy I and did, josh i did not oh you should watch it it's sick <laughs> i play birthing pod so I, I play uh my birthing pod deck my highlander deck because yeah. we had to use partner commanders and you can change that very quickly because it's four color yeah into the red green and the black white new p- pair commanders yeah and oh no i did watch this yeah. i take this back I, you, yeah yeah and i like wrecked because i had birthing pot in my opening hand and birthing pot is an unbeatable card <laughs> yeah, card set. It, like and it like was better because it had phyrexia mana so like <laughs> yeah. birth, uh abrupt decay didn't kill it so it was like an unkillable threat at the time yeah and you just like won when you like birthing pot is an insane card like yeah. it's it's better for magic that it's on the format though i think it's worse from a fun perspective that i don't get to play with it more often <laughs> i feel you that's fair that um, is fair and yeah, so th- like, yeah, every card in this deck is just insane. And, and Belira is the best one. I mean, that was kind of what was decided upon at the end, especially even with Rhino. Like the, the way this deck is good is you beat down. Yep. And you use ramp spells and eventually those become great things and you if win. If they slow you down, you go wide with Gavany Township and attack with a bunch of 3-3s. Three yeah, if they can answer your, like, the, and, and it's similar to the Splinter Twin problem where Splinter Twin was a uh, co- control deck with a combo. This was a aggro deck with a combo, right. where like basically you could either be paying attention to the combo and then lose to the aggro deck, or pay attention to the aggro deck and then lose to the combo deck. Yep. And affinity was, you know, and Splinter Twin is very similar. Both of these had that kind of play to it, and that's really what you want to look at. We've always said having two game plans is the best way for a deck to function, especially when those game plans both go in the same direction. You know, affinity has the 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 spear and the the army. Right. You know, the, there's the I have an army that I'm attacking you with with six one ones that are all getting pumped quick, slowly or quickly, but then also at any point of time I can just make a twelve zero attack you or twelve two yeah. attack you in the air, and so you have to worry about both very thoroughly. Totally. Uh, you know, Jund goes anywhere from oh I got Tarmogoyf on turn two, he's Tarmogoyf, Liliana the Veil, you're dead, to you know, and, and Jund does a little bit more of like a discard. At, at, Aggro deck. So, so you, having multiple plans definitely helps. And and if you look at the top three decks in the format, that's what they all do. Totally. Yeah. I'm with you. It's why I'm a little excited about this zombie combo deck. Yeah. Uh, with uh, the enchantment that got spoiled. Oh, no yeah. No counters yeah. can be placed. S- solemnity. And it goes, uh, and what's his face? Um, Garoff's Messenger. Yeah, it seems really good. Just like you need a sack outlet in those two cards. It's very Malira-esque, but it'd be interesting. Yeah, all right. I'm in. So that's that's the top, top 30, really top 20 Technically top 10. Uh, very, very, very structured. There's no arguing with what we said. Definitely, definitely don't go on Twitter and yell at us about what we said is wrong here because you're you're wrong. And you're yelling, we're always you're right. at the wrong people. The yeah. scientists aren't on Twitter. Yeah, no, they're not on Twitter. Yeah. But, but, I mean, you should yell at us on Twitter at the MMCast. I'm at Cass Wiley. You definitely should. I'm Ben Bateman Media. Uh, we you make sure to go to collected.company where our episodes are posted in the command zone. They do awesome content. Uh, 
yeah. video content versions, all that good stuff. Um, make sure to check out our Facebook group. It is on Facebook. Look for it. Google Masters of Modern or the MMCast and you'll find it. Uh, awesome. It technically does not exist at the time of me recording this episode, but I will recreate it before it goes live. Um, and find me on Anchor at uh, 10 Minutes Magic. Go download the station. Wow, that was so enthusiastic. Yeah, look, it's a sweet thing. I just have plugged it so many times. I feel like if I was cool about it this time, maybe you guys would do it. <laughs> is being sarcastic and, and uninterested cool? I guess yeah technically according to the universe being sarcastic no, and not interested is the exact <laughs> definition of being cool yeah let me just explain to you why what I just did was cool it'll encourage you to download the station more appropriately <laughs> yeah I don't know I like things <laughs> um, and make sure to check out our Patreon it's really important it makes it so we can do the things we do uh, you can get to do brew offs with us we you know either once a block or once a set we're going to have brew offs so you get to donate or donate money, and then you get to submit your brew, and then we'll judge it against other brews and maybe deck tech it. Yep. Uh, and we love all of you, and we want to see you next week when we release our next episode. Exactly. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. <laughs>